Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And welcome to another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. Hi, I'm Steve Lacey. Is that your name? Are you sure about that? I am sure, and I know how to pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We won't go there. Well, I'm Phil Thompson, and welcome, folks, to another podcast. So we are, uh, very quickly, we are a tech company that likes to do podcasts. Yes. Uh, we, uh, we, we do lots of things in the areas of? We provide live streaming for churches, uh, mobile apps for churches, and church management systems. All right. Good deal. And uh, Steve and I have been involved in church work for pretty much all our lives. And that's a long time. We won't say how old we are, but we've been involved in ministry and, and helping our churches and on staff and all that good stuff it's, over the years. Yeah. Some of yeah. us have been senior pastors. Yeah. Some of us have been senior pastors Done until they got, and... until they got kicked out and then they, <laughs> and then they moved away. But, uh, yeah. So anyhow, we, we love helping churches. We help, we, we love helping, uh, uh, ministries and volunteers and those kind of things. That's, that's why we do this podcast. So, uh, who is our guest today, Steve Lacey? <laughs> so today we have a special guest, Brad, Brad Durier. Brad Durier. Yeah, good. I'm glad you got his name right. Yes, Brad. Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we're glad to have you. So Brad is uh, actually, uh, he works with the audio. He's like an audio engineer guy, one of those techie guys that works for kind of a small church. Uh, it's, it's, it's called Lakewood Church out of Houston, Texas. And I, you guys got, what do you got, about 40, 50 people that show up on a weekend? Um, you know, 50 to 60 on a good day, you know, it's just sort of laid back and yeah, depends on the weather. So we're, we're, we're giving it Brad a hard time here because we can, but, uh, Lakewood church, in case you don't know, is out of Houston, Texas. And there's a guy by the name of Joel Olstein, who is the senior pastor. And actually I used to watch his father. That shows you how old I am. John Olstein. Yeah, years ago, but Joel Olstein's church. Uh, seriously, what do you guys run? Do you guys run about ten thousand on the weekend? Or uh, about about forty thousand. Forty thousand. <laughs> okay, and I do know this. At least I've been told this that uh, uh, there's like uh, twenty million people that watch a month in in over one hundred countries. And uh, I think, and I, I don't know if that stat is accurate or not, but that's what it's I got. it's sort of so we we are in about 110 countries, um, and then in America, the Nielsen certified viewership is about 10 million per episode. Wow, that's incredible! That that is just amazing. So, uh, so Brad, thanks for spending some time with us, and and I got to ask you, how did you get this gig? I was begging on the street yeah. for an audio gig. I'm you know well mixed for food. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, no, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny how this turned out because, um, uh, I, I'm not sure where to start in the story, but I think the easiest point is just that I, I was already a tech director at another church and I had a, it was a, it's a great church and I had a great time there and I wasn't looking to leave, but I had this idea that, uh, Houston's a big spread out city. There's, you know, thousands of churches and uh, smaller churches, um, don't, uh, often have a lot of good tech resources. They 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 may not have very well high, very highly trained people. Right. Uh, they may not have access to a lot of training resources. Um, and and so I just felt like my heart was that you know w- there were a lot of big churches that could help the small churches get better mm-hmm. at doing tech arts. And so I was uh, talking to other churches 
including Lakewood, to see if they would want to be part of this little group where we would all take turns hosting different seminars for free that the smaller churches would come to and learn and improve. And um, so when I when I had lunch with my who is now my boss here at Lakewood, Reed Hall, uh, and, and pitched the idea to him. He liked it, and we we hit it off. And he said, "Have you ever seen Lakewood Church?" And I, I was like, "Well, no, I've never actually had a chance to get out there." So he took me uh, back for a quick tour, and I I had very limited time. I had a meeting I had to get to, so uh, back at back at my church. So I, uh, you know, di- unfortunately it was kind of rushed. But he put up some multi track content on the console in the arena. And let me build a mix. And so, of course, I'm thinking, man, this is like, well, this is the coolest, <laughs> you know, I'm getting a mix on the PA at Lakewood in an arena on this crazy console I've never used before. It was a Euphonics System 5. It's really a broadcast console. So it's sort of an unusual choice. So I had to kind of learn how to move around on it. And I just sort of built a mix up on it and went, wow, cool. It actually sounds kind of kind of cool in here. <laughs> yeah, it's a, and it, this is fun. And so uh, he, you know, I had to get back to this appointment. So he walks me out to my car and in the parking lot, he just offered me a job. Nice. So, uh, he, I, I don't think that either of us went to this lunch expecting that sort of outcome. I, I know he didn't do it as a, it, for him, it wasn't a, you know, uh, an interview in disguise and it certainly wasn't me searching for a job, but when he, when he pitched the offer and then we started really talking a bunch about what it would look like and it, 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 I realized it was just too good of an opportunity. So, yeah. wow. so I took it. So that's really interesting. Tell me about the, you know, the vision you had for, uh, training up smaller churches. Did that, what happened to that? Yeah, that sort of failed. Oh, <laughs> it did, huh? I would think. Uh, but, but here's, I still, I, I love, my heart has always been to help train people one way or another. Uh So, uh, so I still get to regularly help out with churches and individual engineers and, and either mentor or, or help do training sessions and things like that. And I, so I still love to do that. But the, once I took on the job here, the time commitment necessary to sort of run that project wasn't practical, um, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, so, 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 so no, that are there are there are there things that would transfer from the large church to the smaller church that um, you know I would think that smaller churches go well sure if I had a you know four hundred thousand dollar budget I could have great sound but I assume that what you're talking about is some things that just some advice and, and expertise that would that you could share with the smaller churches or. Yeah, and there's an I don't know how much time you'd like me to spend on this particular answer, but I could there's I could go off in a whole lot of tangents here. But let me I'll, t- I'll give you a few key things. Um, it's never about the gear. Uh, the 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 budget does have an impact. Obviously, uh, there's a, there's a for any given size room there's there's some amount of money that it takes to do sound well. Uh, so it, it's you know we we can all agree that you've got to spend at least some amount of money to get decent loudspeakers and to have decent acoustic treatment and that sort of thing. But in the end, as long as you have basic functioning stuff, it isn't about the gear anymore. Um, There are so many other things that affect good sound um, and the, the tastefulness of the audio engineers mix and the, not even necessarily the microphones, 
themselves sometimes, sometimes just where they're placed and how they're being used and uh, the what, what what the acoustic output from the stage and by which I mean the musicians themselves and what their instruments sound like and how good they are as musicians. Um, most of most of the things that affect what we hear uh, are in the non-electronic domain. I mean, it's it's the acoustics of the room, it's the quality of the instruments, the tuning of the instruments, the playing of the musicians, all of these things that that uh, have honestly the biggest impact of all, and um, and and there's no electronics involved at that point. So, yeah, the the principles of of uh, uh, being a good audio engineer extend beyond just do I have cool technology and do I know how to turn the knobs? For me, there's there's three layers to being a good audio engineer, and this is where this applies to every church. Uh, big or small, every audio engineer, no matter what uh, sort of genre of work they're doing, whether they're doing sports broadcasting or church front of house mixing or or working in the club or whatever, um, the the first and the most important one to me is the interpersonal aspect of being an audio engineer. Because an audio engineer is not um, just someone who knows how to push the right button. Uh, an audio engineer knows how to how to work with the talent to get the best results. And so that means, you know, making people feel comfortable, understanding what the expectations are, um, on, on some level becoming buddies, not maybe not literally, but, but in a sense that there's a sense of trust, uh, and, and, uh, rapport and good communication so that, uh, between the, the performers and, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah, and that, that way the, the the performers know what they can expect and what's available and what what the limitations of what's available are, and and you know what they expect, and they know that you know you as an audio engineer you're working to do the best results you can, and when you have a when you ha- when you make an effort to have good interpersonal uh, relationships with people and mm-hmm. good communication skills, everything else is just easier. Uh, everything else goes a lot more smoothly. People are more willing to accept your suggestions. Um, so that's an absolutely critical part of, uh, honestly, of being a good audio engineer. And it's what gets you hired again for gigs because people, people hire people they like to work with. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's, that is, that is the number one thing, especially on tour kind of stuff, anything where they just want people they know, I just know this guy's going to work. So I'm just going to hire him because I don't want to think about it. They want people that show up on time, have a good attitude are easy to work with. So the, literally the number one thing is interpersonal. So that. That alone transcends what doesn't matter if you're a small church or a big church, you have a big budget or a small budget, or if you have an analog console or a digital console, none of that matters. Um, If the interpersonal thing isn't working out right, then it's never going to be smooth and it's never going to be great. So that's one layer. The technical layer is another one, of course. It's what equipment do I have and how well do I know how to use it? And you do have to know on some level how to get around on the gear pretty well, but I have mixed shows uh, before, uh, kid you not, on like an analog Mackie 1604 mixer, which, you know, is a, for, if you don't know that model number, it's a little teeny tiny analog mixer that sits on top of a table. It's probably, you know, a, a foot and a half wide. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, has, uh, I, I guess, 16 inputs. That's kind of implied by the model number, but it's really about 12 uh, and then a few outputs. And, you can mix on anything. You really can. Um, it's just about, you know, live sound is all about compromise anyway, because there's, there's always 
something fighting against something else. The room acoustics are always going to have some contributing factor to the overall sound. The, the bleed from instruments from mics, you know, from, from one instrument to another's mic is going to be an issue. The, the SPL level you can get out of a vocalist versus feedback, you know, is going to, so there's always, there's always compromises going on. Um, so it's just about pulling the best out of the technology that you have in front of you and, and not about so much blaming the technology, but just make it work because you can make it work um, on in almost every scenario. The only thing that the nicer tools give you is a little more flexibility, maybe faster uh, ability to get to the results you want. And, and yeah, there, there'll be some level of refinement you can get with the nicer equipment, but going from a $10,000 mixer to a $100,000 mixer does not make your mix sound 10 times better. It probably makes your mix sound 10 or 20% better. Mm. But it's, you know, it, it, when you're in that level, you can afford to buy that stuff and have that that flexibility and those features and and that extra polish may make all the difference in the world. So so the tech you, it's it's too easy to it's too easy to focus too much on what tech you have uh, rather than what you can get out of the tech that you have. Um, and so that's the second layer of being an audio engineer is, is technical. So interpersonal, technical, and then artistic. Artistic is all about your ear and your sense of taste uh, as a mix engineer. Um, and I, I think mixing is really sort of art, an artistic process. And uh, that, again, has nothing to do with what size church you're in or what equipment you have. It's all about what do you hear? How well do you perceive the music that you're hearing uh, in terms of, you know, picking it apart in your head and going, ah, I, I, there's this issue with the bass guitar. Or there's this thing going on with the electric guitar. But if I if I balance them in this way, it's cool. Um, and uh, so the, there's a very much an artistic side where, you know, of course, having some musical background helps, but it's not absolutely necessary as an audio engineer um, so that you can. Uh, you can take what you're getting and find a, an artistic way to blend it together um, and get, you know, get, and get something pretty, right. you know, so to speak out of the result. And that's, that is purely a taste thing. That's, it's really just artistic taste at that point, um, regardless again of what equipment you're on. So, so. My, so my experience with um, just working with a bunch of different churches, typically the thing that appeals to the guy that's running sound is the tech part. <laughs> so you get these techie guys that may not have the best social skills or artistic yes. skills at all. Is there uh, what advice would you have for the church working with those guys, or you know, is there is there something that can be done? To improve Give those some, other skills, some, uh, some courses on interpersonal relationship, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, of yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, the, the thing is, the interpersonal skill thing is is the hardest to get. Um, I think because if if you are, and 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 Steve, I've seen, I I, I feel you because I've I've definitely seen a lot of that too. Um, if you've got someone who just doesn't have that personality, you can't you can't teach that you can maybe right. point out, point out some areas they can work on refinement um, or, or, or maybe point yeah. out some ways they can communicate a little differently. But, but yeah, uh, when that's, when that's absent, it's often going to be a problem for the, for the whole team in general. Um, and and the, the way that tends to play out is, you know, the, the guy, the guy may, he, he knows the technology, but the musician, you know, when a musician, excuse me, when a musician says, Hey, this doesn't sound right, you know, but 
instead of using a talkback mic, you might just shout back to the stage, well, it is right. I got the knob in the right place, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's not an answer. Like, you know, if a musician ever tells you, hey, this doesn't sound right, then your job is to go, oh, man, hey, I'm, I don't know why. I'm sorry. I think I think it's set right, but I'm going to I'm going to investigate because I want to make you happy. Yeah. Right. Like, that's the way you handle that. And then they at least they go, oh, cool. He's he cares, you know. Right. Um, and so it is, you know, I, I don't know how you make someone have a better interpersonal relationship other than gently sort of when you when you witness that behavior, you do have to, I, th I think you gently um, push them in the right direction and say, yeah, and say, yeah, look, here's how here's how I might handle the situation. Or even, you know, if, if some people get offended, even if you just try to say, hey, I think you should have done it this way. So you might even. Uh, build, it's possible that you could build into the process of recruiting volunteers or training people. Hey, let's have some role play examples of situations that have happened before, just so we can all learn from them. And we can all go, oh, this is a good example of how not to behave, you know, uh, shouting, shouting back to the stage, by the way, for example, is, uh, is a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's never, it's never worth it because even if you're really good friends already with the musicians, I've had situations where I was, because uh, uh, I've learned the hard way from, from my own actions, uh, friends of mine on the stage. And I'll yell back something just completely innocuous. But the fact that you have to raise your voice to yell uh, means that in this one particular case, there was someone else in the room I didn't realize was in the room at the time. And this person complained to someone else that I was being rude <laughs> to the band. And then it came around and it became a big deal. And finally simmered down once everyone realized what was going on. I'm like, this, this person shouldn't have been in the room. And they didn't know, they didn't understand the context of what was going on. Right. And I'm, I'm just, I mean, I have to yell a hundred feet away and I'm just, it's, you know, it wasn't, and we're all friends too. It was, so there was no animosity, but people misinterpret if, if so, if a, if a stranger can misinterpret that a band member who's up there, maybe insecure, maybe not used to playing in front of people, uh, lots of artists, even experienced ones get a little nervous when they're in front of people or get nervous before a gig. And, um, you know, yelling, yelling things for even, even the, in the most innocuous way is, is, is bad. So even, even just learning to use a talkback mic and talk gently or have a, another person on stage wearing a headset, a calm headset who can relay things, um, that alone interpersonally makes things better. But so, I think, yeah, some role play could, could definitely help. So next time, keep Joel Olstein out of the auditorium when you're going through that stuff. It won't happen. Anymore. Yeah. That guy. I mean, he just gets in everyone's business. Yeah. So does he ever give you a dirty look when something doesn't sound good? <laughs> Amazingly, no. You know, he's he's so – I mean, he is the coolest guy. He he is genuinely as laid back as you see on television. That's not that's not a character for him. That is his, his actual persona, and he is that nice and laid back in real life, and, and so is his wife and his kids. I mean, they're all – they're amazing. Um, and so when things do go wrong, um, this is, I love the way he handles things. Um, we, if there's something, something goes wrong, like, uh, you know, the, the rare instance of feedback or a mic failure, it, cause even for, it happens even for us, you know? Um, and, uh, the first time something like that happens in a given, let's say a given weekend, he, he won't say anything. He never mentions it because he knows that we already know about it. It's obvious when a problem happens. So we don't need someone glaring at, you know, and of course he's not, he's not, he's not mad in the first place, but you know, 
he knows it doesn't do any good to send someone back to the booth to go, Hey guys, what's going on? Cause we're in the middle of trying to fix it. You know? So he, you know, he, he I do find that silly when, when pastors of their churches get on, get on people's case like that. I, I, I it's, it's kind of cringy to me, you know, it just uh, yeah. like, you know, the guy knows he just heard it. He was the sound guy. He, of course he knows that. Just yeah. so Everyone he, turned let around. Him, let him look fix, back let at him the sound booth. Exactly. <laughs> but no, the first time, the first time it'll happen, Joel will, will not, he won't say anything. The second time it happens, he might ask out of curiosity or say, or, or say, uh, you know, oh well, it'd be, be okay if that didn't happen again. That's his. That's his really nice way of saying, please don't let that happen again. <laughs> he say it'd be it'd be just fine if that didn't happen again. Um, the third time, he's like, maybe we should all meet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good deal. So, uh, by the way, have you ever been to his house? <laughs> I have. Ooh, all right, good deal. All right, well, I'm so, I'm just being facetious here, but, but so, so back on you know the original topic, I think one of the things what I'm taking away from what you're saying is leadership needs to set the expectation that you know the the guy driving AV if he has the technical skills that's only one third right. of what you really need, and yeah. just just pointing out the fact that. You know, there's there's three key things you need for this for this job that it's going to raise the awareness for the those that may be weak in one of the other areas. I ran sound once or no for a very short time. <laughs> they we fired were, you then. Yeah, they fired me, and I think I was completely missing the artistic piece. So I have a son who plays uh, guitar in a band, and so he he got all of all the genes that I had none of. So yeah. I could well, handle the technical, <laughs> and I wasn't terrible with the interpersonal, but the the artistic side, it was like, oh, I'm sure they go, ah, oh, that kid doesn't have a good well, ear. Well, I, I also like what you brought up, Brad, about the equipment because I've I've helped start some churches and we had poor equipment, and I even have helped the privilege of helping start a couple of radio stations and we had poor equipment. But if you can make it work, and you can learn how to do it and make it work, uh, then it kind of prepares you for when eventually you can get better equipment, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I think that's a very important part. I think those are really good points. So I mean, let me let me back up the clock here a little bit and say, okay, so you've been running audio video. Well, maybe not video. You do some audio video post production, right? I do. I do a lot of post production. Yeah, my during my during the week, that's I do mostly post production for the church. Yeah, but getting back to that, I mean, have you been doing this since you were like a little kid, or how did you actually yes. get into it? Okay, so you started, yeah. and again, you started I, 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 probably with a church or what? So this wasn't, I didn't know then that I, that audio was my thing, but this was a, looking back, it's like obvious to me now that audio was going to be my thing. And it was when I was about nine years old, uh, my dad had a, a hi-fi system, uh, all the separate components, a separate tuner and cassette deck and, you know, record player and a graphic EQ and an amplifier. And it was, a, I think it was a 10 band graphic EQ. Um, it may have only been seven, but I think it was 10 bands and it was, uh, and I remember up until that point in, in my life, he would never let me touch this thing because the, the, it was a really expensive hi-fi rig. And, uh, and he had the characteristic smiley face curve on the, uh, on the graphic EQ, because of course, of course that's the best way. That's the sound. I don't even, <laughs> why do they even let you move the sliders? Why do, why even let you move them? Because anyway, so, uh, he, around nine, he started to trust that I would, that I could use it. And, uh, and I remember thinking, this doesn't sound right. Like this is the, this, why would you put the sliders like this? This is weird. I put them, I flattened them out and thought, oh wow, that's way better. 
And then I, w- I started listening to record. Every record I'd listen to, I would think that I needed to make little tiny tweaks on the graphic EQ to get it just right. And, and I would, some little tiny boosts, little tiny cuts, but some real subtle things. Even, I would even fuss over little tiny movements that would, it would, like the slider would move too far for my, for me, you know, and I'd like try to get it just exactly where I want it. And then I would, I had a notebook and I would write down the EQ curves I was using for each record. Wow. And, and I, but it, it seemed totally normal to me at the time. I had no, like, it just was like, I'm like, I just want the record. Each record has, sounds a little different. I want it to sound the best it possibly can. And uh, when I listen to it, it, just for my own enjoyment. And so I just, you know, did these little subtle EQ curves and, and took notes. And, and and now looking back, I'm like, oh my God, that's clearly a sign. But uh, but it, back then, it just seemed like totally natural to do. It's either the a way, sign or something was wrong with you. But go something ahead. was horribly <laughs> wrong and undiagnosed all these years. Um, and, uh, so so then when I was in junior high, I was uh, I would have been probably 12 at the time, I think. And I was in choir. We had a PA in the auditorium. And no one knew how to use it, and I was fascinated by it because I was like, "Ooh, that looks like I'm a nerd." You know, that looks like fun to put twist those knobs and figure that out. So no one knew how to use it, so I would just sneak off during choir class and and try to make it work. And I finally figured it out, and I made a lot of stupid mistakes along the way, but uh, I just figured it out until it until it worked. And and then I was able to get it up and running. Then I was able to figure out how to make the wedges work, and then I realize then I you know it occurred to me that you know hey when you turn the mic up in the wedges sometimes it it makes this nasty sound that I don't like but but if I turn these knobs if I figure out where to turn these knobs sometimes it makes it go away you know so I was figuring out how to ring out wedges without realizing what what I was even doing um you know so learning what the EQ would do and and then it occurred to me that uh the 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 wedges themselves needed to have their own master EQ on them because doing it on the channel strip wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. but there was no EQ available. And then I realized, oh, if I look at the back of the board, look, there's these insert. I don't know what it didn't know what insert meant at the time, but there was this way to patch around mm-hmm. the graphic EQs that were that were on the output buses of the console on the, the left and right output buses of the console. And so then I realized, well. I could deal with the PA being in mono. Let's just make the PA mono so I can have the right side. I can take over its EQ and use it for the wedge mixes instead. And so I figured out how to patch on the back of the console to 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 do that so I could do uh, so I could EQ the wedges. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, now they really work well. You know. And, and so how old are you I'm then? Just, twelve. Do what? You were twelve? How old back when you yeah, were doing I was this? Twelve. Wow. Yeah. And I just I, I just did it by just because I was curious and I, and and I, I wanted to learn it as well as I could. It was fascinating to me. And I, and I, I was just trying to solve problems, but I just didn't know what the problems were even called or, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know what I was doing other than trying my hardest to solve these little issues and, and explore. And, and, uh, so anyway, so that when, when I got into, uh, so I, I did that and people figured out that I knew how to run the PA. And, and so I started to do every event, the school automatically I became the default sound guy for everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that snowballed into, into high school and I got involved in different production companies, sort of helping out just doing gigs and, uh, and then some studio work and then, and then church contract work. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, teaching some, 
classes at a local community college on audio while doing church contract work, while then starting to get into some consulting work, designing sound systems, because the nerd side of me has always been hungry to learn more and more stuff. So I, on the side, I'm reading you know books and things about other areas of audio and trying to learn from other people that do things like design PAs. And so eventually get into sort of doing that, some of that help. Um, that all sort of turns into a, to a church gig where I was the tech director and that's the job I had prior to this one here at Lakewood. Uh, and that job kind of rolled all of those skills into one cause I had to be able to, you know, teach people and recruit people and understand the tech and the artistic side and then learn video and lighting. Yuck. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That was fun. It was fun for me to learn. <laughs> Uh, the, the the rest of that kind of stuff and understand how they all fit together a little better. Uh, and so did that for a while. And then, and okay. then the Lakewood thing came about. Awesome. So we're about, we're pretty much out of time here, but we're talking with Brad uh, Durier and Brett, he's with Lakewood uh, church out of Houston, Texas. Brad, how can people, you know, read your material, get a hold of you? Do you have a blog? Do you have a uh, way people could contact you? Uh, yeah. So there's a few, there's a few ways. Um, Twitter, Twitter is a, is an easy way to do it. Yeah. And my Twitter account is just at Brad Durier, which, uh, the last name is spelled D U R Y E A. Um, but you you, people can email me at Brad dot at gmail.com. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn, which has a list of articles I've written. I've, there'll, there'll be, there'll be one coming out in church production magazine for Easter productions coming up here in a month or two. Um, and then several more from a few other publications later this year, but, um, but yeah, Twitter and email are, yeah. are certainly real easy ways to, to reach me. Awesome. Well, uh, good stuff, Brad. You, you gave us some really good stuff. We love the three layers there and uh, we really do appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. And would you put in a good word for us with, with Joel? Would you, would you, you know? I, I will. I, he doesn't, I mean, he already told me I shouldn't do it cause he doesn't like you guys, but I, I'll, <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we've had we've to, had our differences over the years, I'll, but I'll know. tell them. I'll tell them. Look, they've changed. So, um. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you. Appreciate your sense of humor, and appreciate what you're doing for the kingdom of God. And uh, we're out of time. So, if you, if you have some comments, uh, some something you want to add to this, folks, just send us an email support at streamingchurch.tv because you know where that. We're those kind of guys. We love to support people. So, support at streamingchurch.tv. Love to get your feedback. And uh, Brad, again, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you for listening. Uh, The guy across the table from me is Steve Lacey. I'm Phil Thompson. We'll catch you next time on another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. Take care.